This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Idea City Podcast. For more information or to watch talks online, go to ideacity.ca or check out the Idea City channel on YouTube. Welcome to Idea City on the Air. By the end of the next half hour, you'll be inspired and enlightened by the world's biggest ideas, innovations, and breakthroughs as you hear about them in talks from the planet's smartest people. Moses Neimer's three-day annual Idea City conference in Toronto has been called Canada's premier meeting of the minds, and we're glad to have your mind with us. In this episode of Idea City on the Air, Kevin Bales speaks about exposing modern-day slavery. Now, let's join Moses as he introduces Kevin to the stage. Mr. Bales. This is a very sobering talk about modern slavery. My work's about contemporary slavery, and it takes me all over the world. In fact, that's, I'm walking around in Wally Kali there, a tiny UN-protected space in eastern Congo. You can't get in by road. You have to go by helicopter because the, the warring factions won't, just won't let it happen. I spent a lot of time down mines like this one, medieval-type mines, where slave labor is mining the gold in western Africa that ends up in your jewelry. And as I've done this over the last 20 years, I've spent most of the time that I'm doing that work around the world with people in slavery, really focusing immediately and intensely on the people I meet in slavery who are right in front of me. This woman, for example, is a hereditary slave. The terror that you see in her eyes is not even about her slavery. It's about the fact that her slave master had just decided that she was too old and too useless and he was just going to dump her, that he was just going to throw her out and she was going to lose the tiny pittance of food and shelter that she did have. She was terrified by that fact and wanted to know if, any, if there was any way that we could help her to, to, get, to, to deal with the fact that her life was being cut off, even a life in slavery. And of course, I did that because you have to focus very intensely on the individuals to learn what that lived experience of slavery is about. You have to do that because we don't understand slavery terribly well, better these days, but not terribly well because slaves rarely have voices. The types of slavery around the world are complex, and we have to think very hard about how it works. This is a young man that I met who had come out of slavery just two days before I met him. He had come from Mali looking for work in the Ivory Coast. He had ended up enslaved on a cocoa farm. and In fact, they were farming a lot of other things besides cocoa. He was in shock at the time that we chatted. He had been beaten, as you can see, very, very terribly. And I, I, I've for a long time written books and talked about the different types of slavery and how these things work. To give you a bit of background, I'm talking about slavery, which is still the same sort of slavery that we've had throughout all human history. One person completely controlling another person, using violence to maintain that control, 
and using that control to usually exploit them economically, but possibly sexually and in other ways as well. This is a map of slavery today. There's slavery in pretty much every single country of the world, and the darker areas of this map are areas of higher density of slavery, so not the raw numbers but the proportion of the population that's actually in slavery. So if you look in Northwest Africa, you'll see the country of Mauritania. That's the place that we believe has the highest proportion of slavery in the world. About 4% of the population is enslaved. Haiti, which of course on this map is just a tiny dot there in the Caribbean, we believe to be the second highest, probably around 2% of the population. But you'll notice that there are, except I think for North Korea, there are no white spaces because, and it's not because North Korea doesn't have slavery, it's because we just can't get data. Uh, every country, the United States, Canada, Britain, where I live, even Iceland has slavery. Now, as I was going around, I, I, I also learned a couple of other things. One was that if slavery is what it's always been, there is one new thing about slavery, and that is that the cost of acquiring a human being into slavery has collapsed in historical terms. If you look across all of human history, and I'm, I've done the, the stats back for the last 4,000 years, you discover that slaves have been expensive on average. The average slave across most of human history would cost the equivalent of about $60,000 Canadian in today's money. Average slave, an agricultural worker, or a chap like one of these little Indian boys who are used to haul rocks. Today, in part for a number of reasons, but having to do with the population explosion, creating an enormous glut of potentially enslavable people, means that there's literally a supply which far exceeds the demand. It means that a little boy like this or a boy like this in Nepal, where these are used for hauling rock, can be acquired for between 10 and $20 Canadian. That has a very crucial impact on the nature of slavery because if slaves in the past were investments like tractors or trucks, people would often usually take care of them. Slaves today are disposable inputs in economic processes. They're more like styrofoam cups. You buy them cheaply, you use them when you're finished, you crumple them up and throw them away. And these boys, I know well because we've done work there with them in Nepal, if they fall down on those mountain trails, if they break a leg, they just walk off and leave them because it's less expensive to acquire a new child down in the town or in a village than it is to repair one of these children. Coming up after the break. It's part of a wide-scale, global in fact, phenomenon in which slave labor is being used to destroy the environment that we hope to protect. This episode of Idea City on the Air is brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Kevin Bales. For more information about Idea City or to watch hundreds of talks online, go to ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Kevin Bales speak about exposing modern-day slavery. Around the world, I would see not just slaves being horrifically abused, but slaves being used to horrifically abuse the environment. Places like this quarry. 
Now, I, I want to go a bit on with this quarry, but this is a quarry where you'll see whole families working. You'll see their children working. They're hereditary slaves very often in South Asia. They've never known anything else. Their parents and grandparents have been enslaved and held by the people who have, who, the families that own the quarry. And this is a very rare photograph that I'm excited to show you because one of my good colleagues in India took this picture by tricking this slave master to show off his slaves in his quarry. And if you look down by the water, you'll see tiny children working there in that quarry. Now, that's the nature of slavery today. But the part that was beginning to open my eyes was also about the environmental destruction. Because this quarry that his family has been using slave labor to rip from the land of northern India is a protected national forest. He bribes the forest rangers. He's paid off the, the officials. It's part of a wide-scale, global, in fact, phenomenon in which slave labor is being used to destroy the environment that we hope to protect. This is a similar area in Ghana, a protected national forest, ripped to pieces by open cast, open area gold mining, which has destroyed the entire space. And not just destroyed it and ripped the, 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 the trees away and, and the topsoil and the, killed the animals and the plants that live there, but poisoned it with mercury, it will never be farmable in at least three or four generations. And the mercury within those sands and within the plants will spread out through the fish and the animals and the insects and the birds and then into the diets and the drinking water and the washing water of the humans that live around it as well. Another man pouring mercury, even as the picture was taken, over sands as part of the recovery process of getting gold out of a forest that's a protected national forest. Some of it doesn't go quite that blatant and dramatic. This man was climbing up out of a deep shaft mine. He's not going to, you're not going to see the environmental destruction in a deep shaft mine for gold, but what you will see is that he'll be dead. Six months, 18 months, silicosis, working with nothing but a one little torch or flashlight, that's it for protections down in the holes. The pounding of quartzite materials means that a disease that will kill you in Canada if you were ever exposed to silicon dusts in maybe 30 years is affecting these workers in 15, 16, 18 months. That kind of acute chronic silicosis. Coming up after the break. A very brave Bangladeshi photographer friend of mine actually got a picture of an overseer, a slave overseer, beating children to make them work faster on these racks. This episode of Idea City on the Air is brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Kevin Bales. Idea City is a program of talks about the world's biggest ideas, featuring the world's smartest people. For more information about the three-day Idea City live conference or to watch hundreds of talks online, go to ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to Kevin Bales speak about exposing modern-day slavery. So I'm going to take you on a quick jump around the world where I'm going to leap up to the stratosphere, put you on a satellite, and then zoom down to show you 
commodities for things that you eat, things that you buy, things that you use. This is the Shunderban National UNESCO World Heritage Site at the bottom of Bangladesh. It should be totally forested like you, like you see on the right. On the left, however, is a slave-based fish processing camp. What looked like buildings were actually enormous racks where enslaved children take the catch of fishermen and dry it for the local fish markets. This also applies to shrimp farms that, that will feed into the Canadian and North American shrimp that you buy in, in shops and, and frozen in supermarkets. A very brave photographer, Bangladeshi photographer, friend of mine, actually got a picture of an overseer, a slave overseer, beating children to make them work faster on these racks. And the children themselves, thinking that they were in fact going off to a job that was going to be good to help their families, are paid nothing. They're beaten, sexually assaulted. They work 20, up to 24 hours a day, as long as the fish come in. And when I had a chance to speak to some of them who had just come out of slavery a couple of years ago, I asked them about their health, and they said the key problem was diarrhea, that most of them had diarrhea, and they all knew someone who had, di had died of diarrhea in the fish camp. And I said, and what else? They all named as the second most serious health problem was that they had all seen or knew someone who had been eaten by a tiger. Now, this blew my mind, not least because this is an endangered Bengal tiger species there to be protected against species loss by the UNESCO World Heritage Funds. But when you let slave masters push into these spaces, cut the forests of the largest mangrove forest in the South Asia, the largest carbon sink in South Asia, and you push into the territorial areas where tigers live, their deer are pushed out, but you're introducing a new prey animal which is small children. Now we're flying up into the air over Pakistan, zooming down onto a brick kiln. The brick kiln works kind of like this, and I put a little person in there to show you the scale of brick, primitive medieval brick making that's used with, with slave labor. On the ground, whole families are enslaved to do this work, to pack the mud, cut the mud, make it into bricks, and the very dangerous work of firing the bricks as well. Children are used to move the bricks around and so forth. All across that South Asian area, Pakistan, Nepal, India, at least 20,000 of these brick kilns are there. And the point here is not just about CO2 emissions or anything like that. Leave aside the question of global warming for a moment. Their principal fuel source is not coal. It's not wood. It's old tires and used motor oil. Two of the most carcinogenic and desperately dangerous types of environmental pollutants in the world. Each of those ch chimneys is putting out carcinogens at a phenomenal rate. I'm leaping up again. This, one was, this photo was actually taken by an astronaut from, a, from a, uh, an orbiting craft. Those are fires as people who are intent of wrecking the protected Amazonian forest are burning them up along the river Zingu. Now this map, forgive me, it's a slightly complicated one, but it's so powerful I just had to show it to you. If you look at the magenta purple line at the top, that's the Amazon River. And the green areas are the parts of the, of the great rainforest, the lungs of our planet, which are still intact. The yellow areas are those areas where there has been an attack on the rainforest, where it's been cut, almost all of that yellow area is illegal cutting. 
The blue dots are slavery cases. And the size of the blue dots means that some of the bigger dots means there's 30, 40, 50 slavery cases that had come to the attention of the authorities. The red dots are murders, recorded murders. What you're seeing there in a data form is the scythe, the scimitar, the crescent of violence as it pushes across the wild frontier that still exists in Brazil in which human beings who are poor and vulnerable are burned up in the process of destroying the rainforest in order to line the pockets of criminals. Coming up after the break. It means that if slavery were a country, it would have about the population of Canada. It would have the carbon emissions that would rank it number three in the world after China and the United States. You're listening to Idea City on the Air, brought to you by Zoomer Magazine. We'll be back in a moment with more from Kevin Bales. Get the latest Idealist news, presenter information, and watch hundreds of talks at ideacity.ca. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. We now conclude Kevin Bale's talk on exposing modern-day slavery. Here's a, another aerial photo. Everything on the right's been clear-cut. Everything on the left is remaining forest. The little, what looks like little dots there, the little bumps, that's a, those are charcoal kilns, charcoal ovens. They're cutting down the forest simply to burn them into charcoal. And you think, that's an awful lot of barbecues. No, here's the same bumps at the bottom that you saw from, uh, from above. That charcoal doesn't go to barbecues. It actually goes to the Brazilian steel industry. So the steel that goes into cars made in Canada or the US or plumbing fixtures made in the US or Canada is normally steel purchased from Brazil which has come from this in, and been molded by slave labor using charcoal from illegal cutting in that way. Now, what's the upshot of this? Well, the last time I was in Brazil, I could see it very clearly. Forensic police in the environmental things exhuming graves of secretly buried ex-slaves. People who, again, because of their disposability, had just been worked to, almost to death. And then if you looked closely at the film, you'd see where the bullet went in the front and came out the back of that young man who was enslaved to do that destruction of the rainforest that we want to protect. What does all that mean when I put it all together? It means that if slavery were a country, it would have about the population of Canada. We know that it would have the GDP of a country of about Angola, about 140, 150 billion dollars a year. But if slavery were a country, it would have the carbon emissions that would rank it number three in the world after China and the United States. Now that was the breakthrough that, that came with this work that I have to say shocked me. I had no idea that slavery could be contributing to global warming or at least contributing to carbon emissions and certainly contributing to environmental destruction, species loss and so forth. The crazy thing is there's a solution in the problem. There are, there are some 39 million people in slavery today. But if slaves who are being forced to destroy the world's forests are simply employed to replant them after a period of liberation, the carbon credit that would be due or payable on those replanted forests would be three times 
what it would cost to actually do the act of liberation. We know that around the world it would take about $20 billion over a 20 to 30 year period to bring almost all the people in the world out of slavery. That we know how to do, we know how to do it exactly, we've got it costed out very clearly. And that's a very powerful point. All around the world, slaves used to destroy the environment, and all around the world, slaves waiting for freedom to replant the trees that they've been forced to cut. You remember these children, these children that you saw earlier? This is what happened after their families were freed from slavery in that quarry. One of the first things they did was say, we want to replant the forest we were forced to destroy. Before they, they built us a little school, but before they got a, anything else, they said, it's time for us to replant this forest. And they obeyed that Gandhian rule about the five trees every village should have, food, fiber, fodder, and so forth, they went straight out, they asked for help to get the, by the seedlings, but they said, we're gonna replant this. And they left and also began to bring back to a new life the chap that you see in the jumper. That's why I left him in at the very end. He's the guy who was bribed to be a forest ranger without a forest for many years to look the other way when everything was cut. But that's the story of how slavery, environmental destruction are linked together and the solutions to both may be in solving both at the same time. Thank you. Oh, no. Thank you for that opportunity. All shucks, y'all. Kevin, you said slavery in Canada. Oh, yes. What? How? Oh, uh, several ways. Slavery clearly in, in prostitution and, 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 and enforced sexual exploitation. Slavery in domestic service. Sometimes slavery in agriculture. And in Canada, especially on the western sides of Canada, we've seen many cases of different types of enslavement of First Nations people. Now it's, it's all over the place. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Idea City on the Air. Catch Moses Neimer's Idea City Conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca. For more information about Idea City, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or youtube.com slash ideacity. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.